Shout out to Niche for letting me use his technologies. Thank you, Niche. Thanks, Niche. Um, I'm Liza. I'm Riz. And this is the Little Sleep Much Reading Podcast. <laughs> Finally, from so little sleeping and so much reading, his brain dried up and he went completely out of his mind. Sometimes I start thinking about a lot of things and then I'm like, uh, you know what I mean? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So it's hard for me. It's hard for me. Be like that sometimes. Um, but what are we doing this week? Crying. Crying. We're reading about modern horror. Horror, modern horror. Um and it connects. Mine definitely is the same genre of horror as my last week. Mm -hmm. Is what do you think about yours? Mine technically is technically because I read Psycho, and Psycho's considered to be an OG slasher, right? Um. And then this week I read Kin, which is definitely a modern slasher. So there you go. Bada bing, bada boom. Did oh, by the way, people, um, I did I didn't say what I read. I read Vlad by Hello King. Hello. Glad by Carlos Fuentes, which is obviously um, vampires. <laughs> Do you think yours this week was even more slasher than Psycho? Yeah, without a doubt. <clears throat> um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Noted, Captain. Absolutely. Noted. I'm like still on the fence. Like again, like I think slat I think Psycho is a good prototype for a slasher. Um it's not full slasher, if that makes sense. Right. Cause we you talked about that and it's like I think all those rules too for slasher were made up more recently. They had to have been. They which like I get it, you probably looked at the format that people were following and made it based on that. Right. And like this book doesn't follow that format so much like that either. Um this book actually takes place like after the the slasher event. Um so this would be like if someone wrote a book about, you know, what happened to the lady from Texas Chainsaw Massacre after the truck drove away. That's literally what it is. Right. Okay. And truthfully, I haven't finished this book yet. I'm over halfway through, so I'm qualified to talk about it. But I didn't do a rating scale because... I feel like the ending would change is is going to decide really how I rate this. Right. Um, <clears throat> so I didn't do a rating scale for this. I did. So it's a trade-off because I didn't do one last week. Mm -hmm. 
I always think, I almost always think you have to have read the ending to rate it. <clears throat> it, especially for horror. Yes, it really depends on the book. I've had a couple that I've been like, I don't need to finish this. You know what I mean? Right. I'm, I mean, I did, but I, do, I could tell. But I don't know. For this one, this one I, I feel like is moving towards a revenge story. And because of that, I almost don't know which way it's going to go. Right. Pretty much the plot for this book takes place after this horrific event happened. Um, and now there are people who want to go back to this town and have revenge. And they're they're like, it's like the brother of one of the boys who was murdered. Hmm. Um, a young boy, he's probably like 18. I think he's on the spectrum. He drove the surviving girl to the hospital and then he left because he got scared and he and a lady who is his like a mother to him Mm -hmm. they're about to go back because he wants to kill these people um and i think that the final girl is gonna go back but it's not clear so it's like like a couple different people are about to go back to this crap town. Right. Um So there's a lot of moving parts here. This book feels really mature. I like it. I think Liza would really like it. I would like I know you said that too when you first started reading it cuz it's got that weird that weird uh it's got that weird vibe to it it's got that weird cannibal vibe to it it's got that crazy vibe mm-hmm. um okay i'm excited since you already have begun do you want to keep talking about about kin sure <laughs> um So yeah, like I said, it's got that it's got that vibe. It's sorry, that's Nick Nick's heater. If you hear those weird noises, his heaters do that. It scares me in the middle of the night. Um so this book I consider to be like a sibling to brother by Anya Elborn, which did I read that for the podcast or did I just read it? I read it for the podcast. Slay. Um, so I consider that to be like a sibling book to this. Um, it's like, but I feel like while Brother really takes place with this like cannibal family, kin you see parts of the cannibal family and you definitely get their point of view at times. Um, But you get other people's, um, the people who they're hurting, who they've affected somehow, which makes for, I think, a more interesting read because you have, dynamic and layers and just like brother there's a character in this book who's part of the family who I actually feel bad for um so yeah so this book is working towards a revenge plot I think um I'm not there yet so far it's definitely gorier than brother Um, Like I said, it's more dynamic. There's more characters and it feels more mature. This is like 
brother's really messed up. Like, really messed up. But I think the way that I feel about the characters in Brother is close to, like, almost how I feel about YA characters. Um, You almost sympathize with them in, like, a friendly way, which is terrible because the main character is a cannibalistic murderer, but whatever. Um, Whereas in Kin, I, like, it feels so mature. Um, it feels so. I'm caring about these characters in an adult kind of way. Um, and I wonder if that's because there's something about Kin where it feels like any character is free game. So I won't let myself get attached to them. Um Yeah, I will say I'm flying through this book, but the reason why I'm not finished with it is because this book is 268 pages, um, and usually it would take me like, I don't know, four days to read that. This book is taking me over a week, and I think it's just because there's so many words per page. The font's not even that small. But for whatever reason, there's just so many words per page. It's taken me so long to get through, even though I'm like steadily reading it. Which I hate that. Um, but that's fine. I'm definitely like invested. The fact that it changes point of view so frequently um, is keeping it interesting and giving it layers and I'm actually like I feel like there's so many books that switch point of views where you're like you get to a certain character's point of view and you're like oh okay let's just get through this so I can get to the other character I don't feel that way about any of the character's point of view I'm genuinely curious to see how their stories are gonna like come together or not we don't know or at least I'm interested to see like some kind of ending to each of their stories. And there've already been people whose point of views I've had who are already dead. Um, and I find that really interesting. It feels it feels like Stephen King, The Standish. Like you really like can spend pages with a character and it doesn't matter. Like they'll still be killed off just because they're a main character. It doesn't mean anything. Um, yeah. Um, what else? So I was going to say something else about the fact that it changes point of views, but now I can't remember what it is. And everyone's interesting, and I like them all. And I'm not bored by anyone's point of view. Oh, the other thing I was going to say is, there's already been a couple times in this book where I'm like, oh, I know where this is going. I know what's going to happen. And then he does something completely different. And it, like, it, like, almost creeps me out in, like, an absurd way. Like, he does something worse you know what I mean not worse in like a bad way worse in like a that makes that makes me anxious that makes the story more interesting I'm now more invested in it because this is something that I didn't actually think was going to happen and the way like now that you're writing it that way I'm like oh shit um and I'm so appreciating that. I think one interesting thing about slashers is they're kind of predictable. And the fact that this isn't predictable makes it scarier. I feel like horror can go two ways. Either it's predictable 
And that's scary because you are going there in your mind. Um, or it can be so unpredictable that the unknown is scary. And two things are great and two things are true. It's just, how are you going to play it? Um, this one's on the flip side where it's like, the things that he's writing in here are sometimes very effed up. Like I've already, I'm already thinking about the end of the book when I'm reading the beginning of the book. And there was something that I was like, oh, I'm calling that. That's happening. And it went so different in a way that like made my skin crawl. And it's not even the end yet. Like I'm like, now I know that that ending that I had predicted is not going to happen. And he's doing this other thing instead. And I don't know how this other thing is going to play out. And I'm suddenly very afraid. <laughs> um, and I love that. Scare me some more. So let's talk about this book. Also, I should say his writing is really good. Um, I found a few mistakes. But truthfully, the publisher of this book is small and they're notorious for having poor quality books, like poor quality printed books. Their covers are usually poor quality. Um, so the fact that there are some mistakes, which this book came in and we were actually... Not only do they have poor printed quality books, um, but they come with a lot of mistakes. Like they like we've got whole books from them printed upside down, like stupid things. Um, and their books are non-returnable. So when we got this book in, we were taking a gamble that we shouldn't have been taking. Oops. Um, but whatever, it's here. So the fact that he has some mistakes in his writing... I'm, it's okay. Like, we're going to let it slide. I know what he's trying to say. Nothing that he wrote, no mistake that I found has, like, taken me out of the book. Um, And it's all just, like, little typos, little grammar things. Not, like, big plot holes or anything like that. Um, And so because of that, I feel like I don't know. I'm letting it slide because I know how bad the publisher is. I'm curious about, you know, his editor. We don't know. Um, so that's okay. His writing is great. Like I said, it's fantastic. He has won a Bram Stoker before. Um, not for this book. For a different one. Um but just from this book, I can already see why. Oops, I just dropped my phone. Okay, I got it. Um, like I said, the characters are interesting. I'm invested in it. Do I think you should have it on your shelf? Yeah, I think if you like horror, if you like slasher, if you like, if you read Brother, you should get this one. I love to read, this is kind of an aside, but I love to read books that are cousins or siblings. And then pick like my favorite like I really I read the final girl su support group I really want to read Riley Sager's final girls and then I want to get my hands on Stephen Graham Jones's the last final girl and compare that to my heart is a chainsaw and those books and do like a whole thing on it that would be really fun um so yeah, so the fact that like this is like a cousin sibling book to brother made me really happy. Um, so I definitely think if you read Brother, you should have this on your shelf. If you like slashers, if you like those cannibal books. Also, if you just want like a good revenge story or even just like a good messed up horror where things seem really dark and really like 
kind of anxiety inducing. But there's a little bit of a light. You see the print, the a little tiny pinprick of a light at the end of the tunnel. I think you should get this one. Um, yeah. So let's go into our slasher notes and talk about what this has compared to the slasher layout. So psychopathic killer. Yes, this is very much like Texas Chainsaw, where there is a family of cannibalistic murderers. Um, one thing I'll say, which goes with the next one, it says backstory. One thing I like more about this one than Brother is I feel like with Brother, you kind of learn why the parents were so messed up, but like, I feel like it wasn't enough for me with this story i feel like i understand why the family's messed up and it like actually makes sense um and guess what guys it's religious reasons lol love that um and that almost makes it i don't know I feel like they have more reason to keep going for that. Um, setting and location. I don't, I'm going to say yes. Like, you know that the town of Elkwood is where the big murder occurred. Um, and you know this town is backwards and miserable and terrifying. Is it going to all take place at the same house? I don't know. Um, we'll see. A set time. There's not a set time for this. The big climax of the slasher already happened. And we got like right after, like literally we got like the final girl escaping the house is where the book pretty much started um and where i am right now we're about 11 weeks after all of that um weapon of choice yes and no because there's a family there's a lot of different weapons um for the most part they all use knives except the dad he uses like a sickle i think because freak multiple victims yes so far um do they split up i don't know yet but it does seem like from what the final girl said when the original murders occurred they did split up not really by choice but it did happen whether whether that will happen later in the book I don't know, maybe. Um, stranded signals. Yes, they are at, again, like this very poor town. People just seem to look the other way. It's almost like everyone knows that this happens and no one really does anything about it. Um We even know, like, the closest neighbors are definitely not going to be any help. Um, yeah. Jump scares, it's a book, guys. It's very hard to do jump scares in a book. And also, like I said, it's it's after the original murders. And we haven't got to whatever's going to happen in this book yet. Um, illogical thinking. Again, we haven't got to what's going to happen in this book yet. But um, the final girl, when she's like reflecting on her time, has mentioned a few things. That's definitely like a logical thinking, but for the most part, she was able to 
be pretty smart about what she was doing. Obviously, if she escaped, the killer resurrects. Not yet, guys, but I definitely feel like something freaky is going to happen with that in this book because there's already some weird-ish going on. Final girl, yes, killer ending. Hopefully, we don't know yet. Um, yeah, so I think the the other thing I want to talk about is because this is, again, after, I think... Um, I don't know. Have I said the author's name yet? Okay. I think so, but you could say it again. Um, I don't know why. I just like sat there and I was like, I don't even know if I've said his name. His name's Keelan I, Patrick Burke. I think you said it right at the beginning when we when I was like, what did you read? Anyway. Okay. Um, so I think he did a really good job of like the almost paranoid thinking of like after trauma. Um, he's done a really good job at covering bases like, you know, this poor girl's family. Her name's Claire. I'm pretty sure her name's Claire. Yeah. Claire, the final girl, like her friend's parents are coming to talk to her. And she has to be like, yeah, your son fought to the end and he was a hero and blah, 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 blah. Like full well knowing that he ran, like he ran and left them. She's had to like look in her friend's faces and be her friend's family's faces and just like lie to them and be like, yeah, they fought knowing that they didn't even have a chance to fight. Um. And, like, the thinking that goes with that. And then also, like, she was sexually abused. And I think the thinking that he's done that's come along with that, like, I think Claire feels like a very real character. And the trauma that she's experienced feels real. And I don't know how he did that or the research he had to do to do that. But I think he did a pretty good job. Um and I think that's pretty slay of him to do. And it also just made me think of like, I don't know, the ways that we can talk about trauma and abuse through horror in almost like a way that doesn't glorify it. Um, and I really admire that about this book um and that's why like I'm really hoping for an ending that is satisfying to that and to that trauma that doesn't muddle it or make it make what Claire experienced less than what it was um So, yeah, I think that those are my thoughts on that. Um, I actually do really want to read that. You know, like you actually do. And I don't know. I like read it and I'm like, I'm in my I'm in my revenge era. Like, eh. Eh. Because, like, something about the idea of a man writing, like, a revenge slasher and the main character is a girl initially would make me go, no, 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 no. Like, any time a man is writing about, like, a girl's trauma, especially when, like, sexual abuse is involved as well, you're like, mm -hmm. eh. but the way you described it, I think he handled it really well. Like, I, f I feel like her, her pain and the way she's dealing with it is real yeah um and I feel like there's also like little things like she's 18 she like just graduated from high school and she was on this trip with her friends and I feel like the way that he writes about their relationship it's like she's totally aware like, of course, she loved her high school boyfriend. Yeah, she did. But but it's almost like she's aware that that was her high school boyfriend. 
Right. Like, it still feels like their relationship still feels real but it also feels real in the in the sense that I'm like okay I get that like he's not trying to write like a big romance story and you feel terrible for her you feel conflicted about the way that she also felt conflicted right Um, sure the one thing I'm really hoping is currently the people who we have returning to Elkwood are um, three men and one woman, none of which are the final girl. And I'm hoping that Claire finds a way to get there because I, she definitely wants to go back. Um, and she has that survivor's guilt of like, all my friends died and it's just me. And like, I look at my friend's parents and I know that they wish that it wasn't me kind of thing. Yeah. And I know she wants to go back and I hope that both her and her sister go back and I don't know I hope she gets some kind of mad girly revenge yeah that's crazy down yeah and and like the cast of characters is like really great we have like um an older sister who's traumatized because she's an older sister and has to like take care of her mom. Um, then we have like the final girl who's obviously a victim of like murder, literally, but also like um abuse, sexual abuse, all that. Then we have like two war vets who are affected by um his one of them's brother was one of the kids who died. And then we have an autistic boy or someone who is definitely on the spectrum in some way. And then we have um, a lady who's like a victim of domestic violence. Whoa. Like we have a full cast of characters. Yeah. And I feel like they're all about to get really good revenge. There's only like one person in the family who I'm like, I feel bad for him. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So that's we'll- always that's always interesting in horror. Too. Yep. Curious. And there's one part, Liza, that I know would make you literally scream out loud. Oh my god! Okay, I gotta read it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I love to be spooky and scared. Yep. yep. Ooh, very fun, very fun. So, um, that's a DM. We talk slashers. It's time for vampires spooky vampires vampires so as you know last week i read dracula by the one and only bram stoker and i didn't really care for it that much as much as i respect it i didn't like it this week i wanted to read something that was written today um in this in this modern era but that clearly was influenced by Dracula and I think I found like almost a perfect match um and that was Vlad by Carlos Fuentes which is a novella it's only about 150 pages I want to say so it's really short I got through it I I think I read it in a day on and off but you could read it in one sitting and to I mean I guess to start things off for readability I gave this book a um I give this book a seven because I found it really, I really wanted to keep reading and see what was going on because I think he did something so interesting with the vampire genre while staying really true to it at the same time. So to give you just a bit of background, it takes place in Mexico City. Um, and the immortal vampire is Vlad and he's actually formerly Vlad the Impaler, like the historical figure. Um, and he moves into Mexico City, um, and our main character is a lawyer, um, and he's sort of in charge of, like, getting him, I guess, settled with his estate since he moved here, um, which has, you know, we, we draw similarities to 
Mr. Harker and, and all that um, uh, in Dracula. But yeah, so he's an immortal. He's been around since whenever the fuck Vlad the Impaler was around. Um, and his manor or his castle um, is giving very Dracula. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I'll just go section by section to sort of tell you the similarities and differences. For language and style, I gave this an eight. So it was very, you know, basic in a good way. Um, it's one of those things I think anyone could pick up. But the horror was actually really good, which was a nice change after reading Dracula, because as I said last week, like I was not scared when I was reading Dracula. Um, this has some really graphic, violent descriptions of of Vlad the Impaler's time as Vlad the Impaler. Um, and those were honestly the most horrific parts of the book. The I really also think that Fuentes is really, really good at writing atmosphere. I think you could see the castle so much better in this than you could in Dracula, which is astounding in a way because he does it in so much less words than Bram Stoker did as well. Um, Bram Stoker's books are sort of full of descriptions without really saying anything. Um, whereas this, it felt like everything was <laughs> really intentional and you really had this visual of like these coffins and this dank basement and how Vlad is like weird and pale and hairless and like the creepy little minion guy, like even the descriptions of Mexico City, I thought were really, really wonderful. So I was a fan of the writing. For form, I said not applicable. I, it's a novella. It's it's very, you know, you, you start it, you finish it, you're done. Almost like just a, a short story, um, one short story. To compare it to Dracula, I think it was more effective because Dracula, of course, as we learned last week, which I don't know if you guys learned, but I learned, is written all from letters and diary entries etc. And I didn't really like that. This is from the perspective of just one man. And I think it works better from a sus suspense standpoint, definitely. Um, but just to even see a monster through one person's gaze, I think is really interesting. Like, I don't know if maybe like all the different perspectives in in Dracula, again, he was writing so much without saying anything. And I wonder if like, we never got like a clear picture of Dracula and how he makes people feel because so many people were like putting in their perspective. Whereas with Vlad, it's like, okay, like we see how this vampire is impacting this family's life through, through the father's perspective. Um, for shelf worthiness, <laughs> I give this book a six. I liked it. I thought it was fun. It's really short, like I said, so it's definitely worth reading. Um, would I read it again? Probably not, but I think it's just like a fun little spooky read, especially if you don't want to read Dracula. It's not similar enough that you could like read this instead of reading Dracula if you were like assigned Dracula for class or something like that. But if you want the vibes, 122 pages or whatever the fuck versus 300 something of tiny tiny text like squished all together with no margins um yeah read Vlad um and it is cool to I wanted to do a vampire that was written by a person of color because I feel like the vampire genre like white people have kind of taken it and been like this belongs to me but I think both vampires and um, retellings of Frankenstein's monster through a minority perspective are really, really interesting. So obviously the vampire in this book is like Russian, but the people he's terrorizing are Mexican. And, and I think that's a good place to take me into plot where um, I give this book a seven for the plot because it's like, It adds a level of horror that like this like ancient white man came to Mexico City, one of the most dense populous cities in the world of a variety of different um, 
like types of people of color and a lot of poverty as well um, to sort of prey on them because he knows no one will miss them. Um, that adds a level of horror that no other vampire book I think has. And I was doing a lot of comparing it to other vampire stuff that I know. And so I almost read a Tanner Eve Do book, which I still maybe want to read at some point. But I also kept thinking about back to when Marissa read Fledgling and how that's a black vampire and sort of what that kind of the, the connotations that has. <clears throat> but yeah, I don't want to spoil too much of the plot because it is so short. Like, I think it's kind of just like worth reading, but basically it's like, it's exactly what you think. Like this guy gets wrapped up into Vlad's web, so to speak. And he ends up, um, his family ends up wrapped up in it. And then he sort of has to decide what to do, how to get out, um, how to, who to save and how to save them um and it's also in a way about Vlad and having having been, been this sort of ancient being and and having kind of lived through different time periods and also there is a bit of sadness to this idea of being a vampire like that you can't die and that we find that it wasn't Vlad's choice to be a vampire um, like he was turned into a he wasn't the original vampire um, he was turned into a vampire by somebody else so like I think that's kind of interesting uh, to work into the plot as well that ties me into characterization and 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 something kind of important that I want to talk about I gave the characterization a six um, I thought specifically the family unit in this book was really strong I thought Vlad as a villain was was really strong but this book had a trope that we see in vampire fiction that I really struggle with and I really think should not probably be a thing. And Marissa's making a face like she knows exactly what I'm going to say. Um, so we saw it in Fledgling. Uh, we see it in Interview with a Vampire, low-key with Twilight, Um and that is these weird, bizarre themes of pedophilia that I really do not like at all. I don't know why this is so ingrained in the vampire fiction now. <laughs> you can wrap your head around it in a sense because it's like, I guess that's a question that would come up, right? Like what happens to a person who is immortal and becomes immortal when they are a child. Do they stay a child forever? Or does their brain mature? What's what's going on? And I think, I just don't, I don't love that people entertain that sort of idea that it, it's like a an adult trapped in a kid's body. So it's okay to, to do stuff with them or to them. Um, they explore this in another movie that I really like called Near Dark, um, in a way that kind of reminded me of what Marissa was talking about in Fledgling. Um, but basically, yeah, there's a character in this book who's an immortal. She's been immortal even longer than Vlad. Um, but she's like, I think 10 or 12. Um, and there's a really, really, really disturbing scene where like sexual acts are being performed um with this child and I just don't I I I I have a hard time dealing with it and I wonder like I don't know because I'm like why did you do this Carlos Fuentes because another one of those things where I'm like you didn't need to and I'm also like the man hater in me is like I don't know if a female author would have done this had she written this but then you look to Octavia Butler and she played with this idea too. So it's like, is this now something <coughs> that people who write vampire novels just feel like they need to include? I don't know. Um, I also do think there is parts of it. So the main character is really disturbed, obviously, by, by what he's seeing. And 
I wonder if it's just used as like a as a means to like villainize the bad guys even more be like oh they're vampires and they're pedophiles like that's pretty scary um because it is but I just don't know and like there's this whole thing with the um main character's daughter who's also like 10 or 12 and she's not a vampire um nothing happens to her spoiler alert but it's sort of implied that like later when she's like a little bit older something could happen like they don't want her to be like 12 anymore but maybe if she was like 17 18 um and I just ooh, it just it really freaks me out and like that's the thing like here's this thing with horror that I think is so interesting because the authors will incorporate these themes that really make your skin crawl and anything having to do with with kids like that is one of those things and it's like I think ethically we have to ask ourselves this kind of question like is it worth including in the fiction because it's so scary or is it something that is gratuitous and doesn't really need to be there? Um, so that's sort of just what like I was left thinking about after finishing this book, which like doesn't really leave like the best taste in my mouth for it. Um, but I do think overall it was like it, it really interesting to read and like a well-written book. And I, Marissa would say the same thing about Fledgling. Like, it it, it 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 it's just like a I don't even know how to describe it like a on like a crisis of what's it called consciousness like crisis of I don't know um so yeah that's my thoughts on modern vampire retelling Vlad by Carlos Fuentes why did I do that I didn't as soon as you said it I was like not the pedophilia not the pedophilia Oh my god, it's so nasty. Like, I don't know why. And it's clearly a thing in a lot of horror. Not just vampires. It has, like, haunted me. Like, I, you guys know, I could not finish Fledgling. Like, I didn't. Yeah. And, like, it's still sitting on my shelf when I look at it. And I'm like, should I finish it? And I'm like, no. Because, like. It's one of those things that I think about a lot where I'm like, I want to sit down with Octavia Butler and be like, why'd you do that, Queen? Pop. Like, did you do like, was that a purposeful choice? Like, were you trying to make people uncomfortable? Right. By by putting a black woman, well, a black child, female child in a position of power like that were you purposely doing that but at the same time I'm like I don't even think that that would really make it doesn't make a difference it like would it make it like the book's still going to be the same amount of disturbing right. either way it right. really is and it's just I wonder like I don't know like really like what is the like what's even the correlation is it to make the vampire like you said like more of a bad character to point out that they that they really will take advantage of anyone and is it to show that like everyone is vulnerable to them right but then like why not use an adult it, like of course the kid's gonna be vulnerable it doesn't it make right. them more of a villain like I don't even understand is it like a Pied Piper thing like is there some kind of like if we go back really far will we find some kind of myth that like connects some kind of Pied Piper-esque character to like vampires to children and that's where it comes from like I I'm at a loss right right I I just don't know I just don't know right because you're also kind of like is there more of an excuse for it in these vampire fictions than in other fictions right 
because the amount of times I'm on TikTok and I'll be I'll see somebody and they're like here's the most disturbing books I've ever read and they're all written by men and they're all horror and they're all that really that type of horror that you see the cover and you just know splatterpunk splatterpunk and and and, and then it will be like trigger warning <laughs> like something fucking crazy like child sex trafficking and you're like <laughs> you're like why yeah what's going on like I can't there's a point where it's gratuitous and it's a very thin line a mm-hmm. very thin line and I just don't know where this idea of the vamp the immortal child falls on that mm-hmm. Is a lot of the weird? most disturbing books that I've read have had like pedophilia and incest in it yeah oh like stop like and and it it, um it's like I feel similarly about it that I do to when there's a sexual assault of any kind without like period like I I don't even there's no continuation Mm -hmm. of that like I just don't, I don't know. It's, it's hard for me. Okay. It's like, I think of some books that have those themes in them and they're scary books and they're about something else entirely, but like, this is in it to like, as like character development or something like that. And I'm like, okay, but that's the scariest part of your book. So why wouldn't you just write like a Lolita-esque book? Why does it have to have all this other stuff in it when really that's the scary part? You know what I mean? Right. Right. Is there something vampire about Lolita? Like, kind of. Kind of. Oh, I just hate fucking pedophiles, dude. Like, (laughs) I mean, everybody does, but like, shit, man. Like, that stuff really just rubs me the wrong way. And wait, sorry, what was I gonna say? I was gonna say, is it like uh is it like connecting the act of becoming a vampire, you know, your age stopping in a sense as a loss of innocence, and that's why they connected to pedophilia? It could be that. But like don't 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 don't. And, and and it's okay here's the okay let's actually this is going to be like a longer episode because I think we need to unpack this right here right now um okay so Freud thought that children were inherently sexual from when they were babies Freud is a theory I don't like um uh it's gross um to sexual the the way he writes about children I think he was probably some sort of fucking kid diddler um we hate him so here's the here okay I I say that because I think the vampire books are like oh well this 12 year old would be already sexual so they have to have sex at some point in their life if they're going to be immortal and it's like, I don't think that you needed to say that. Like, I don't think that's even true. Um, uh, because I also think scientifically, we know that that's something that you sort of develop later on in, in your development, <laughs> just for lack of a better word. Um, and I also just think it's like, stop encouraging that. Because mm-hmm. then people who like read Freud probably saw that and were like, Oh, okay. That gives me a pass to go be a Clayton with kids. And, and you're kind of perpetuating the same thing with these vampire tropes of being like, well, she she's a hundred years old. Yeah, dude, she's nine. Like you're if you were a vampire as well, think about it this way. Your brain stops uh developing. You don't develop your finish developing your frontal cortex until you're 25 years old. Even Edward Cullen is not a fully developed human being. That's a 17-year-old boy who just so happens to be born in 1920 and is still alive in 2020. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
it doesn't, it, it, I don't know, dude. I don't think the loss of innocence, like that might be what they're trying to do, but it might also just be people being sickos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I also think about like, I don't know. I don't know. Gross. Disgusting. Mm-mm-mm. Uh, 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 <laughs> um, uh, I I just googled vampirism. Is that how I say that? Vampirism? Vampirism? Yeah, I think so. And pedophilia? Yeah. Just to see what would come up. What's the tea? What are we writing about? Just to see what would come up. And there is an article about... Um, child sexual abuse and the myth of vampire syndrome what vampire syndrome when you're talking about uh child sexual abuse is the idea that if someone was abused as a child that they will become an abuser isn't that kind of interesting that they would call it that it's really interesting like it makes sense i understand why they're calling them that but i'm just i'm also like it's also just another thing i just don't like like i just don't like that i don't think it's true i don't think it has any science to back it up like i think we were talking about this last week with psycho like i don't think if you were abused as a child that's your excuse for why you're a serial killer. Sorry, but that's how I feel. Right. And I feel the same thing with this. Like, like if you're a serial killer, you're a psychopath. If you're a pedophile, you're like, it, same thing. Like there's something seriously wrong in your brain. Mm-hmm. I'm sure whatever happened to you with a kid didn't help, but like you're not okay. Like that, that a regular person just wouldn't, that wouldn't happen to them. Like vampire syndrome just wouldn't occur. No. Um, so strange. I also think it's interesting how we see this in a way, but in a different way. Something similar with um, possession. Yes. And you talked about this with Reagan. What is this, guys? It's, it's deep seated, and I don't like it. Um, I sorry. I just like was thinking about it for like. I really think the misandrist in me like can't fathom that like women obviously do these horrible tropes too, but like. Something in me wants to just boil it down to men are horrific. And when they write horror, they write horrific things. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that's not like entirely true, but like, (laughs) that's how I'm feeling right now in this hour. I think there's just, there's a different way to scare people. There's a different way to scare people. Clearly. Better ways to scare people. Yeah, like like with the book you read this week, like, hello? <laughs> you said to have some of the scariest shit you read. Like it it's just like <laughs> gross. This book is is like gross. It's disturbing. Yeah. But also lingering effects of trauma, that's scary. That's scary. And that's not exploiting children. Right. Um, Thank you very much. Keep the kids out of it. Keep the kids out of it. I found, um, I found a article that says, I will investigate the potential of the vampire child to go beyond dichotomous representations of children. 
I will argue that the vampire child is another turn of the screw when it comes to ambiguous or uncanny depictions of children in their relation to adults. It's kind of interesting. That is interesting. I would like to see them talk about that. Because I think that your whole exorcism theory would tie into that as well. Like this uncanny, like, idea. Ew. 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 (laughs) Just stop it. Stop this madness. And I forgot to tell you this. No, I didn't. Yes, I did. I think I mentioned it. I mentioned Interview with a Vampire, right? They made Kirsten Dunst kiss Brad Pitt on the fucking mouth. Ew. Why did you do that? Like, first of all, Anne Rice, why? Why'd you do that? But second of all, whoever made the movie, why did you do that? Like, it's not. You can find other ways to do that. Exactly. Like, you could have insinuated it even. Like, you could have just. If right, you want like, to be true to the like make her right? lean in, make him lean in, and then show like the like the back of their heads. Right. Or like and anything, anything else. Anything. But like that's an example of how pervasive this trope is, that it actually it is it impacted real life kids. Mm-hmm. Kirsten Dunst was a kid. Brad Pitt was a whole man. Excuse me. I really don't I like that. It. I don't like it. That makes me want to like rip my skin off. I know. Nasty. So that's not on that. Yeah, disgusting. Next, next question. That's modern horror, baby. And it's a little bit of a problem. <laughs> it's been a problem. It's been a problem. And we are tackling it one book at a time. <laughs> Ew. Uh, yeah, so, period. Anyways, um, next week. Next week is a very special week. One of our favorite themes of the year. Every year we've done this podcast. Absolutely. What is it, Risa? We're going to be reading indigenous authors' books. Ooh, ooh. For Native American Heritage Month is the entire month of November. And this episode um, will be coming out on Thanksgiving because false like pilgrims and everything that they ever did, we hate them. We hate them. Literally hate a pilgrim ass bitch. <laughs> um what's interesting this is gonna be like my first last year I didn't really celebrate Thanksgiving either my sister and I went out for Korean barbecue but this year I'm in a country that doesn't even have Thanksgiving oh that's pretty cool which is interesting as well I'm not gonna lie I kind of love Thanksgiving I do I know <laughs> I know I just, like I like to eat like I I love stuffing I love I like that we like make a meal all day i love the parade and all the silly things i love the dog show i know it, it's it's unfortunately a really good day yeah like it's just fun and you eat a whole bunch of food and i like being like i'm so thankful for all these things around me but like it is a historically horrific day right like i wish it didn't have such nefarious origins Mm-hmm. And that's why I do like this sort of flip that's happened. That's like November is Native American Heritage Month. And then on Thanksgiving, you sort of are like remembering the fact that colonizers came and did a genocide. Um, yeah. So there's that. It just goes so fast. Like it's like suddenly it's Thanksgiving and then suddenly it's Christmas. I hate that. I know. I, it already feels like it's almost Christmas. and But at the same time, it doesn't because I'm like, I thought it was still Halloween until like an hour ago. Right. So what's the what's the tea? Depressing. Um, but yeah, Marissa and I were saying we've read banger after banger after banger. Um, this will be our third year celebrating Native American Heritage Month, which is really um, on the podcast, which is really exciting. 
which is also fucking insane. Mm-hmm. Three years. That's mm-hmm. disgusting. Next question. <laughs> um, I'm reading Girl Gone Missing by Marcy R. Rendon, which is a mystery series set in the 1970s starring a um, white earth nation girl. um i it's so funny like we we were like we planned this entire season and we did we did we planned the entire season that doesn't mean i know what i'm reading of course not mama i don't know what i'm reading i feel like again like the last (laughs) two years i've had such good books that i'm i feel really pressured to pick a really good one this time so i have a couple ideas but i'm not sold on anything yet so it's gonna be a surprise i'm excited to see what you read honestly me too i like i know i have a lot of good options it's just like which one's gonna be the best and i also just feel like we know it's gonna be good like yeah there's not really a question in my mind that it's gonna be bad so whatever you choose will be fun like last year i read the skeleton man and like i know that's a kid's book but i had so much fun with it i was so good and that's when i, I read really it. enjoyed it i read night of the living right yeah 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 i read night of the living res last year and then the year before that i read um the only good indians and i read savage conversations like hello native american authors we are your biggest fans there's definitely like two that i'm you got your eyeball on yeah i think i'm narrowing it down to two so we'll see we'll see what happens no stephen graham jones no okay because we did already give him a, a little spotlight i think twice he's got he's he's had a lot of chances yeah and we love him yeah we love him he's he's great i will forever sing his praises but we're gonna we're gonna highlight somebody you don't maybe know about. Yeah. So we'll see you then. Peace out. Peace out. I was just thinking about when I was in Buffalo and how we slayed. That was so fun. We slayed the house down.